your Bible with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. As I get ready to go to Uganda tomorrow, often uh, I, I go into evangelist, evangelism mode. And uh, I think my greatest anointing and calling in my life is evangelism. Uh, this morning, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus is going to lay out the fivefold ministry for us. He gave this ministry to the church, the whole church. I'm talking about the, I ain't talking about here, I'm talking about the worldwide church. He sees the body as a whole. And Ephesians 4 11, Bible says, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That's known as the fivefold ministry offices. Each one of them has their own specific anointing than the other. And it says in verse 12, why these fivefold ministry officers were given to the church. It says, for the equipping of the saints. For why? For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to be a mature a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Bible says perfect man, but when you look up that word perfect, it means mature. God is looking for his people to mature. Amen. The one thing that the fivefold ministry does is help the body of Christ be equipped for work of ministry. Every child of God has a ministry somewhere, somehow. Hallelujah. We're not born again and our name written in the Lamb book of life and we're after we get saved, we're not just supposed to sit in the pews and, and wait till we die. No, there's more to it than that. While, while we're waiting, people are dying. And when they're dying, either they either are one, they're either lost or saved when, they're, when they die. And if they're saved, they go to heaven. If they're lost, they go to hell. So we all have some kind of ministry something to do in the body of Christ for Jesus Christ. We're all called to be a witness. Amen. But there's a lot of things that there in the body of Christ that we need that uh, is not always soul winning, such as uh, the, the, the minimal things of the church. We come to church, we, we clean the church, we, we teach the children in the church. There's uh, things that the yard has to be mowed at, at the church. These are minimal things, but it's also part of ministry because you're doing it for the body Amen. of Christ. Amen? Amen? We're not just all pew-sitters. We just don't all come in here and expect, hey, the church got cleaned all by itself. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, the grass didn't get cut all by itself out there. Amen. God is good, but He uses us to mow the grass. Amen? Amen? Uh, teaching the children in the back. 
Someone has to be faithful to teach the children. That's a very important ministry. Children. Amen? Amen. Uh, Most of us in here have children. If we're concerned about our children, hallelujah, we should be also concerned about other children and their spiritual uh, state. Uh, You know, we've got to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. Amen? We got to teach them and train them. If we don't teach them and train them, you think the school's going to teach them? No. You think the college is going to teach them? If you wait till they get to college, you've already waited way too late. If you haven't got it in them when they're young, if you can't wait till they get in college and say, "Well, I just got saved. I want to stick the whole Bible down their throat now." They're going to push back, and the college will teach them a lot of humanism. They'll teach them new age. They'll teach them. Uh, to be liberal. They'll teach them to be ungodly. That's what happens in schools. But thank God, if you bring them to the church house and we teach them what is right and wrong in the church house, when they grow up, they'll know how to discern between good and evil. Amen? Amen. That's our job at the church. But everybody's got a ministry. And the fivefold ministry is to equip the people that they're looking at for ministry. I'm not here just to... Uh, no man or man of God should ever stand behind the pulpit to entertain anybody. That's right. We're not in the entertainment business. This is not a Garth Brooks concert. Amen. This is not uh, where we just shut the corn and everybody goes home and they entertained and they feel good and the, and the, and the preacher was was uh, preaching hard, strong, shaking his leg and throwing his hands and everybody was, amen, amen, amen and go home and act like the devil. That ain't what it's all about. We are to equip. The pastor is supposed to equip his sheep for ministry. The apostle is supposed to equip the body of Christ worldwide to, for, for ministry. Uh, one of the things that Apostle Kenny and myself do is called apostolic work. An apostle is a sent one. And we are sent to the nations of the world. That's why we travel. What do we do here at Harvest Time Church? We are more concerned about not only the sheep in the church, but the sheep outside the church. That's right. Amen? Amen? There's a lot that has to be done for the whole body of Christ. And our vision here at Harvest Time Church is a worldwide vision. Amen. It's not a local vision. It's a worldwide vision. We got God's vision. God has a vision and His vision is worldwide. He said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. When God loved, he loved the whole world. When he sent his son Jesus, he sent him for the whole world. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, he did it for the whole world. God's vision is a worldwide vision. It's not just local, it's not just here, it is worldwide. Jesus Christ died for the whole entire world. Amen. Some people, some churches, have a worldwide vision like God does. Hallelujah. And they see that the gospel needs to be preached in all the world. Jesus said the Great Commission in the book of Mark, chapter 16, around verse 15. He said, Go ye into all the and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. 
Hallelujah. He said, those that believe in me shall be saved. Those that believe not in me are condemned. But they got to hear the message. The message has to get to the world. Amen? Amen. Some people have a, a worldwide vision. Some churches have a worldwide vision. Harvest Time Church has a worldwide God vision. If you want to know what our vision is, it's to preach the gospel to the entire world. You're going to get it here, but you're going to get it outside the doors of this church too. Amen. We just don't come in here and lock ourselves in and preach the gospel. And, and, and y'all know good and well, y'all have been taught and trained when you leave this door, you are to minister to other people. That's right. Amen. Y'all been taught that? Whether you do that or not, I don't know. But I do know you have been told. To bear witness of Jesus Christ wherever you go. Right. We have a worldwide vision. Some churches have a worldwide vision. They see that the gospel needs to go to the entire world. They see that it needs to go to every continent. It needs to go to Europe. It needs to go, go to Asia. It needs to go to Africa. It needs to go to North America. It needs to go to South America. The whole world needs to hear about Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen? But some people don't see it that way. Some people just have a local vision. A local vision is one that they minister to their community. They minister within their, their, their denomination. And their vision goes no farther than right here. Our community. Morgan County. They have that vision. They don't go any further with it. And then we got other people that has a nationalistic vision, which means they care about uh, their nation. You know, some people uh, love America and they want the, the gospel to be preached here, but they don't see the need of preaching it anywhere else. Jonah got in trouble about that. Jonah was an Israelite, a Jew. And when God told him to go tell Nineveh to repent, he did not want to go to Nineveh because they were not his people. That's right. And he didn't love the, those people. He didn't care about those people. And he said, I don't want to go because if I go, they might repent. And he said, I don't care about them. But God had to change his heart. He had to change his mind. That God even loved the Ninevites. Amen. Were they living in sin? Yeah. He loved them anyhow and sent a word to them because he didn't want to destroy them. How many of y'all know when he found Jesus found you, you was a sinner? That's right. Amen. 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 Thank God he went out of but out of bounds and yet just loved the godly. He loved the ungodly. Right. He sent Jesus to die for the ungodly. That was you and me at one time. But thank God we have been born again, washed in the blood, and our names have been inscribed in the Lamb Book of Life, but we still got work to do on this planet as long as we breathe it. Amen. Our vision is a world vision. We are soul winners. We ain't going to be satisfied just preaching the word right here to 15 or 20 or 30 people. The world bigger than 30 people. Hallelujah. But what can Jesus do with 12 people? Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 disciples. Turned the world upside down. They took the gospel to the world without radio without cars, without airplanes, and without the internet. They took the gospel to the entire world, without all that, because they had, they had a vision 
to preach the gospel yes. to the world. Amen. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. That's what Harvest Time Church is about. I don't know. I know some people say, "Man, I ain't never seen a pastor be gone so long at a church and survive." Well, I made up my mind a long time ago. This ain't my church. It don't belong to me. Jesus is the head of this church. Amen. I'm just an under shepherd, but I have a calling, and my my calling here at Harvest Time Church is exactly what the sign says. Harvest time. My mind is constantly on the harvest. I see more than I see here. I see the worldwide harvest. In, in John chapter 4, when the disciples were walking out, and, and they looked at the harvest fields, and Jesus said, don't say it. There's still four months until harvest. He said, I want you to look at the field. The fields are already white. They're ready for harvest. Don't say it's time to delay. When the harvest is out there, we all have to understand, when the harvest is ready, it ain't time to stop. It ain't time to pause. It ain't time to put other things in front of the harvest. When the harvest is ripe, you got to get into the field. Because if you don't get into the field and start picking the harvest, the harvest will be destroyed. Right. Destruction might get it. The bugs, the pestilence will come and eat it up if you don't get it. The sun will burn it up if you don't get it. The weather might destroy it if you don't get it. A strong wind might come through. But you got to get the harvest white ready if you want to be blessed. Amen. 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 When I look at the world, I see harvest. When I go to Uganda, I see harvest. When I go to Asia, I see harvest. There's such a vast harvest of people in the world that don't know what you know. They don't know that Jesus died on the cross. They don't know that he rose from the dead. They ain't never heard it before. They ain't never experienced the goodness of God that you've experienced. You've heard about the gospel over and over and over. And some people have come to church, been raised in America, heard the gospel multiple times, and still have not received Jesus. Is it right for anybody to hear the gospel twice when many have never heard the gospel once? Is it right? Is it right for us to have ten Bibles laying around our house when people overseas don't have the money to have a Bible? Is it right? It ain't right. But we satisfied with it. We satisfied watching them go to hell. When's the last time we've cried at night over a lost soul? When's the last time we fasted for somebody that don't know Jesus? When's the last time you got out of your comfort zone and witnessed to somebody when Jesus told you to and you walked away and said, I don't know what to say. Don't give me that mess. Every one of you know what to say. Every one of you I'm looking in here to pastor a church overseas with the knowledge that you have. Amen. But yet we always make excuses while we can't do nothing. Lord, have mercy. Jesus gave these fivefold ministry <laughs> gifts to the church to equip the saints. Amen. 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 For the work of ministry. What ministry? The ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. To bear fruit for Him. To bear fruit for the King and His kingdom. Amen. That's what we're called to do. Amen. We ain't called to just 
come to church on Sunday morning, sing three songs, and go home and wait for next Sunday. Between Sunday to Sunday, somebody died. And somebody might have not have known Jesus. Jesus can take nobodies to tell everybody about somebody named Jesus. Amen. You know, every 1.72 seconds, every 1.72 seconds, somebody dies in this world. Between every breath that you breathe, Somebody died somewhere in this world. Where would they spend eternity? If it was based on you, what would you do to make sure they knew about Jesus? Christians that really believe the gospel, they witness. Christians that really believe in the gospel, give to missions. They give to the kingdom of God. Because they want to further give into something that's worthy, that's going to affect somebody's eternity. My goodness. Eternity's at stake. I ain't talking about tomorrow. I ain't talking about a ball game. I ain't talking about something that don't matter. I'm talking about somebody is going to spend eternity in heaven or hell if they don't know Jesus. That's right. God's vision, there's only one way for salvation. That one way is Jesus. Amen. There's one job, evangelism. We've got to take the gospel, not only to the church, but we've got to take it to the streets, the highways, the streets, the lanes, the hospitals, and the jails. Amen. The whole world needs Jesus. Right. I'll never be satisfied staying here just preaching. Amen. That ain't what I'm called to do. I'll preach to base two people, one person. I've been to the jail when they were two people. Yeah. And I remember getting hit so hard. The devil said, man, if you were really called, you were really anointed, you'd have more people than this. You'd have more people than this, Jason. And man, I thought about that. I'm like, man, he may be right. If I'm really anointed, there'd be more people coming to the church than this. And then when you go to the jail, and Larry, this was that old jail. I know you ain't never been down there, but. <laughs> Anyhow, down there and walked in, and, and you know, I, I left. When you do, do outside ministry, there's other things that you could be doing. You could mow your own grass, you could mop your own floor, you could uh, go to play, practice softball, or do this, that, and the other. The Lord called me to do the jail ministry. So I sacrificed time with my family. I sacrificed this, that, and the other to go see two people at the jail. Amen. And when I got down there, the devil said, man, it, two people, you ain't affecting anything. And the Lord answered me and he said, Stacy, the one thing I called you to do was to be faithful. Yep. Amen. It don't depend on how many people show up. He said, I called you to be faithful. If you get down there and ain't nobody there, I still called you to go. That's right. right. And that's what Emily was talking about this morning, being faithful. <coughs> being faithful. Amen. We got to learn something about being faithful. Amen. The whole body of Christ Amen. needs to learn something about being faithful. Listen, when you're faithful, it's going to cost you something. 
it's going to cost you something. You're going to want to be somewhere else, doing something else, sometime. But if God's called you to be faithful, where should you be? Right here. Where he's called you to be. Amen. Doing what he called you to do. Be found faithful. Hallelujah. One day I hear these people always talking about, Oh, one day when I get to heaven, I want to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Ain't a lot of folk going to be disappointed. <laughs> Preach it now. For not being faithful. He said, you mean to tell me you think I'm going to tell you that? When you didn't even, you weren't faithful in doing the little thing. He said, if you be faithful in the little, I'll make you rulers over much. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I said, you know, all the things that the Lord's given me, I didn't ask for none of them. I didn't ask. I didn't ask the pastor. I never prayed one time to be a pastor. I never prayed one time to be an apostle. I never prayed one time about being an evangelist. I didn't go after gifts. I didn't go after titles. I didn't go after names. Some people get saved, oh, I want to be an apostle. Oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to hold, I want to, I want this mic on my ear. I want to preach to people. Oh, I want to shut the corn like T.D. Jake. <laughs> I never saw zero office. Amen. Only thing I saw was the Lord. Amen. I went after him. Amen. When I went after him 100% and began to be faithful. I don't think I'd even be here if I hadn't been found faithful. That's right. I gave up a lot along the way. I missed a lot of my children's ball games through the years. And sometimes they don't understand well, I ain't got it him. Well, Daddy's got to go win some souls. The Bible says if you look, if you look, leave house, land, or whatever, for my name's sake, he said, I'll restore it to you. Not only in the eternal, but a hundredfold in this lifetime. Sometimes you, got to keep, you can't be there when you want to be there because you've been called. Another thing I found out about being called you can't quit if you call. Yeah. I wanted to quit 150,000 times. That may be exaggerating it just a little, <laughs> but near. It's come through my mind as a fiery dart many times. Quit, quit. There were five people here on Wednesday night. Just quit. I can go find a job anywhere that's paying what I'm getting. Really, I can. But I'm like, I'm thinking. Should I quit? Every time I thought about quitting, one of my spiritual fathers or my spiritual mothers would call me up and say, Stacy, I felt led to call you. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Ain't no time to stop. My mama told me on her deathbed, said, Stacy, don't ever stop. Keep going. Always stand strong. She said, if you fall, son, a lot of folks come fall. I said, my mom would do my best. But anyhow, being called ain't fun sometimes. But you've got to be faithful if you call. And the devil will want you to quit. Not only he won't not only want people in the ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, he wants them out. They on the front line, y'all. They up here. If they fall, a lot of folks fall. We've seen other people fall that have been in the ministry for years. It ain't ever good, it ain't never pretty. 
And some people in the Christian church say, can you believe so-and-so fell? Can you believe this? I'm like, don't get that out of your mouth. Don't rejoice because that man fell. You lift that man up in prayer. You do something besides run him in the ground because he fell. You don't never know what kind of attacks he was under in the first place. That's right. That's Woo. right. Lord have mercy. There's a lot of people in the church jumped on Jimmy Swaggart, man. I mean, they beat him in the dirt because he fell. I'm like, you don't ever know how many years. You know, I read on Facebook the other day, somebody can do a, a hundred things right and don't never say you did right. You do one thing wrong and they remember it for the next 20 years. Ain't that the truth? My goodness. The church needs a revamping. They need to get straightened out. But to get straightened out, they're going to need some good preaching. They're going to need somebody to lay the truth down. The thing about today's church is they don't like the truth. Whenever you don't pat them on the back, and tell them what they want to hear, they find another church down the street they, they can go to and give their tithes to. That's right, that's right. I ain't going to sit there and listen to that. Listen, any pastor, any person that's in the ministry that don't challenge you to go further with Jesus, you shouldn't even listen to them. That's right, amen. If they don't challenge you, they ain't doing their job. That's right. They need to tell you sin is sin, hell is hot, and Jesus is coming. That's right. Amen. amen. They ain't telling you that. You better find somewhere to go. God had a worldwide vision. Harvest Time Church had a worldwide vision. There's a lot of people that used to ask me, Pastor, what's your vision? What's your vision? Write it down. Make it plain. I said, my vision is God's vision. I ain't got no new vision. It ain't parking lots. It ain't kitchens. It ain't even buildings. My harvest is not a building. My harvest is souls. We sow what we have into winning souls. We sow what we have into buying Bibles overseas for people that ain't never had a Bible. We buy truckloads of Bibles. We're going to do what Jesus told us to do. We may not never have no church on the hill and a steeple on the top, but one thing when we get to heaven, when the road is called up yonder, they're going to say, this little church right here, let me tell y'all what they did. They planted 25 churches overseas in Asia. They planted 25 in Cambodia. They planted in Uganda. These ministers that are still in the, in the ministry today because they went and encouraged them to not give up, cave in, and quit. They're still here. They affected the kingdom of God. They were fruitful. I hope that's what we can hear when we get to heaven. But what we do here is much bigger than what you see. Those of you that's been with me on the mission field knows it ain't no joke. Your body will give out on you when you travel with me. You'll be begging for strength. <laughs> Lord have mercy let me tell you if you have a moment five minutes about a missionary that I read about his name was Adoniram Judson I don't know if you ever heard of him he poured his life out 
as a missionary. At the age of 25 years old, he left America. He was known and regarded as the first American missionary in the 1800s, around 18, uh, early 1800s. The first American foreign missionary left his country at the age of 25 and went to a country called Burma. Burma is now renamed Myanmar. That's where I've been going for the last 20 years. But J Judson stayed there in Myanmar, Burma for 37 years before he died. He died on a ship in 1850. His dedication was wholehearted. That could be seen as he wrote to the father of his first wife. When he wanted to marry, he had to ask permission. Back then, you had to ask permission from the father to marry their daughters. That's still the right chain of command today for those of you that don't know. I don't ever give my daughters away today to the husband that thinking about marrying my daughter. If you don't ask me, you don't get it. That's right. And if you don't get it, you don't get the blessing. They don't understand there's a blessing behind that. That's the chain of command and order. Anyhow, called honor. Uh, this is the letter that he wrote to the father of the lady he wanted to marry. Listen to this. I now would like to ask and to have your consent whether I get it or not or whether he said let me read this now I ask whether you can consent or not to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world whether you can consent to her departure or her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of the mission life. Whether you can consent her exposure to the dangers of the oceans, to the fatal southern climate of Burma, to every kind of want and distress, to degrade, degradation, to insult, to persecution, and perhaps a violent death. And remarkable, Anne's father agreed to give his daughter to him in marriage. But he told it like it was. You'll never, you may never see her again. If you give her to me, there's going to be constant persecution and danger. There's going to be wants. There's going to be needs. And he, her father consented, consented to the will of God. And gave his daughter to that man knowing they were leaving. Remarkably, uh, Brother Judson was accused of being a British guy, a spy, once he got to Burma. He was put in prison for three years. He was tortured for those three years. He was beaten for those three years. His wife that had married him, Anne, went and stayed in a shack just a few 
very close by so she could visit her husband regularly as he stayed in prison. This is what you call faithful. She could have said, I'm going back home to mama and I'm going back home to daddy. I didn't sign up for all this. But you know what? When people took their vows a long time ago, they, they meant them. They stuck with them. And whether it's life or death, rich or poor, sickness or health, they stuck with you. Amen? Amen. In Philippians 2.17, the Apostle Paul said, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. That's exactly what Adoram Justin did with pour his life out into that ministry for 37 years in Myanmar. As he ministered and gave his life to preaching the gospel, it was seven years before he, he reached one person. Seven years before he reached one person to get saved. His first convert. But after 12 years, he had won 1,270 from the Karen tribe in Myanmar, which is Burma. As I traveled up through the mountains of Calais, up where the Karen tribe lived, I've done many conferences in, inside those villages. It's a very large territory. The people that, that, that different tribes in, in Burma. But the Karen tribe, once I got there, I was amazed. Because traveling from, from all the way from Yangon to, to, to the, the, the country, uh, our, the area of Calais is a long flight, a long journey. Once you get out of the flight, the flight of Mandalay, it took us, I think, 10 to 12 hours by car. Emily was with me, but said, the first time we got in that car, it shook so much on the, on the roads, bumpy so much on going around the mountain and road beaten, it busted the sun roof in the top. I mean, it felt like you was on the worst roller coaster you have been on for 10 solid hours. You needed a whiplash collar on to keep from getting it. It was rough. But that's missionary life. The Karen tribe really impressed me. When I got there, Larry, I seen churches everywhere. And I found out that nearly every Karen tribe person was a Christian. They were raised to be a Christian. You know where they got that from? This man in the 1800s that left America to preach and fulfill his calling and was faithful to it till the day he died. Now he could see, and he does from the great cloud of witnesses, the whole Karen tribe are Christians because he decided to leave America and preach the gospel to them. Thank God for the sacrifices. Sometimes in America we don't consider the sacrifices that other people have made that have brought you into the kingdom of God. If it hadn't been for Peter hanging upside down, hallelujah, if it hadn't been for James getting his head cut off, if it hadn't been for the people that were sown in two in the book of Hebrews, it talks about people that were hung, people that were set on fire. Then people gave a sacrifice so you could be sitting in a seat today, hallelujah, and have a chance of spending eternity in heaven. Amen. Somebody gave their life. It hadn't been for them. 
the early church. We wouldn't have a gospel. After Jesus' death, he said, go preach this gospel. Go tell them what I did for them and tell the whole world. It's so important that we did the message to the entire world. What can Harvest Time Church do? We're going to do the best we can do with what we got. But we're going to affect the kingdom of darkness. We're going to preach Jesus. It don't matter how many trips we got to take, what we got to do, we're going to win souls. That's what harvest time is about. If you yoke yourself up with us, that's what you get. You ain't going to get patted on the back all the time. You ain't going to get. You ain't going to hear no itchy, itchy, itchy ear messages. That's right. There's going to be sometimes you're going to get slapped upside the head, the heart, the toes, everything going to get hit. Amen. Yes. But you better be glad that you're getting the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. That's the only thing going to set you free. Amen. It's the truth. Stand with me today. But remember those that have given their life and sacrificed through the years. I want to speak to all those folks out there in Burma today, the Karen tribe, whatever country you in, whether it's Uganda, whether it's in Kenya, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, wherever. I pray that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray this message reaches you. And to those of you that are sitting in the churches, sitting on your couches, sitting in your living rooms, eating donuts and drinking coffee this morning, it's time to get up and start serving God again. It's time to get up and start telling other people about Jesus Christ because time is short, time is running out, and somebody is dying while you're taking a break. It's time to get real. Do what you can to win souls. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords, already died, already rose. If you don't know Him out there, I pray that you surrender your life to Him and He can use you just like He did Peter, Jane, John, and all the others. You're not unusable. Give your life to Jesus. He'll make you a vessel full of honor, fill you with His anointing, and you can make a difference in this world. Take somebody to heaven with you. Don't go through the gate by yourself. I love you. God bless you. Jesus, holy name.